0: Last week, we uh, had a study called Three Kings, and we looked at the study from Matthew chapter 2. So if you have uh, your Bibles, please open to Matthew 2. And in this study, we kind of gave a little bit of a backdrop to uh, what was happening shortly thereafter Jesus' birth. And last week, I had mentioned that we'd be looking specifically and particularly at the three gifts that were given to Jesus and Mary and Joseph by these wise men. Last week we began our series of Christmas studies that will run up until this Saturday, Christmas Eve. And today we're going to continue our study through Matthew chapter 2 as we take a little closer look at the three gifts that the three kings or wise men or magi presented to Jesus. In Matthew chapter 2 verse 11 it says, And when they had come, this is the wise men, when they had come into the house they saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshipped Him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to Him. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And I bet you could guess what point number one this morning is as we're looking at the three gifts. It is, yes, gold. Fit for a king. And each of the three points that we're going to be looking at that are so nicely laid out by God's Word with three particular gifts will have two sub-points, a practical and a symbolical. Let's look at the first thing today. Symbolically, this gift of gold uh, that was given to Jesus, it was a sign of admiration or respect when one would, be, would appear before royalty to present a gift. You know, I, I, w- I think we'd all agree that, you know, if someone came with like a treasure trove of gold and said we'd like to present this to you, that we'd be very and utterly grateful, right? We would be very thankful for something like that. When you would travel to foreign countries, you would present yourself to whoever the ruler was and you would present a gift. It was customary. It was a sign of honor. Remember, the wise men came to Jerusalem and met with Herod the Great in order to determine, to determine where this king of the Jews was to be born. And then Herod checked with the religious leaders. Remember this? We called it check the data. He checked with the religious leaders and they came across that significant verse. Remember Micah chapter 5, verse 2, that Jesus was to be born in the city of Bethlehem, the town of Bethlehem. Now, for them to present such a gift to Jesus, it would seem a little, I might even say, awkward. You might think, well, why? Well, considering the circumstances surrounding the birth of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords there where there was no room in the inn where they ended up in a stable, and then even now wherever they were living to be presented with such a royal gift when you considered where He was born, the environment at His birth, and even where He was living. But look again at verse 11. Now I have to tell you, as you go through Christmas stories, it's hard not to say, I have heard this a million times, and I'll be honest with you. And last week we talked about how you know how many different ways can you look at the birth of Jesus. Well, I feel like the Lord has given me, personally, just a really cool insight to things that I felt like I learned from this, and hopefully maybe it will be the same for you. These men that we know from last week's study, they follow the leading of God until the end. And on that same note, and I don't want to digress or go off on a tangent, every time you read the Bible, the Lord can speak to you in a new way about the same passage. It can be something that you're familiar with, and I think a lot of times we rob ourselves of the blessings of God's Spirit working through His Word because we put up a front automatically, I know this story, I know everything about it, I know what this passage says, and we dismiss it. But when you come to the Word of God and you open it and you say, Lord, what do you want to speak to me about today? Then you make yourself available for the omnipotent God, the Creator of the universe, to speak to you in a way that He has not spoken to you before. And maybe even reminding you of things that you had forgotten. It says here in verse 11 that when they found Jesus, that they fell down and worshipped Him. This was before any gifts were presented at all. They gave the Lord their worship before they gave the Lord their gifts. I think that this is especially important for us today. With all the things vying for our affection and our attention. See, that which you worship will be the very thing that you present your life to. Your abilities, your talents, your time, your treasures... And as a follower of Jesus, I've been reminded from this that we must first submit our lives as a worshiper before you can properly present what you have been given by Him back to Him. Meaning, that if I'm giving of my resources or I'm using my abilities apart from worship to the Lord, I'll be missing out on how my abilities reach their highest Level of use in worship of the Lord. That my gifts and my talents and my abilities and my resources, I can use those things for good without a heart of worship. See, contribution and even service was never meant to be a replacement for the heart that worships the Lord. See, we can contribute. We can serve out of our Hearts to worship, but it can never be the other way around. We first worship, then we offer. Now, there are some phenomenal musicians that I know. I know them personally, and they're not Christians. And they'll lead worship at large churches because of their giftings. That service and that capacity is not a replacement for a lifestyle of worship. There are some that are extremely wealthy. They have been blessed financially to say the least. And they'll donate to charitable organizations, even religious organizations. But charitable deeds are not a replacement for a personal relationship with Jesus. We must first worship before we offer. Because if we're offering without a heart that is right before God, then that sacrifice or that contribution is not received. And we remember the story about Cain and Abel and how they both offered a sacrifice to the Lord. And later on in the little epistles of John, it will talk about uh, Cain's heart being wrong and Abel's heart being right. And the Lord accepts the sacrifice of the man or woman whose heart is right with the Lord. This is huge because we have philanthropy and we have charity, but it's not a replacement for that relationship with Jesus. And I think we can learn a lot from these wise men. They first worshiped, then presented their gifts to the king. Now, Jesus just wasn't some ordinary king. He wasn't just some one day he will rule child. In the book of Revelation, it says of Jesus, Revelation 19.16, it says of Jesus, and He has on His robe and on His thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. When the angel appeared to Mary, he said of Jesus in Luke 1.33, and He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of His kingdom there will be no end. The king was presented with gold. It was a very type of, special type of ruler. This child that was given this gift by this wise man, as it says, listen to Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government will be upon His shoulder. And His name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God. Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. This is what we are remembering at this time of the year. So symbolically, to present Jesus with this gift was huge, to say the least. Practically. I thought I'd take just a brief moment to look at these things. Being presented with an amount of gold definitely was a provision for Joseph, Mary, and Jesus by God. This was a practical thing too as well. Uh, I believe personally and obviously there's nothing in the Scriptures that would say specifically this very thing, but later on, in the same chapter, Matthew chapter 2, Herod would send his soldiers to kill all children that were male, boys, two years and under, in order to squash out this other king of the Jews. And in Matthew 2, verse 13, it says, and when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, arise, take the young child and his mother, flee to Egypt and stay there until I bring you word for Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. My personal opinion is though this was a symbolic gift, but practically there was no doubt to me that these finances could have been used for their escape from the hand of Herod as they traveled and remained, traveled to and remained in Egypt to escape from this edict of Herod that would seek the child's harm. Gold was what would be given to a king, and this gift was a perfect present to honor the king of kings and lord of lords. Something to think about. As we look at the next gift now, frankincense. This is point number two. We had gold, which was fit for a king, and now frankincense fit for a priest. Now, I might be dating myself, and some of you that may know this film may appreciate that I have a an appreciation for the classics but when i was younger there was an old film that had seven brothers in it seven and i uh, i really liked it growing up because these guys were rough and tough type of brothers and i could relate to that with my brothers and some of my friends that i considered brothers now these brothers were all named in alphabetical order and they were all named after a bible name and so you had adam and you had benjamin And you had Caleb. And you had Daniel. And you had Ephraim. And then you had Frank. And then you had Gideon. And the story behind Frank's name is what no one was supposed to talk about. Uh, They said that hey, there were no F names in the Bible, so they decided to call Frank Frankincense because he smelled so sweet. And all the brothers laughed and it was hilarious. Frankincense. Symbolically, Remember, we're going to look at symbolically and practically uh, these things. Frankincense, quite profoundly and maybe even unwittingly, was given by the Magi to Jesus, was symbolic in a priestly manner. Incense was used by the priests of God in their offerings. Now, here's an Old Testament scripture for you. Exodus 30, verses 34-36. through I'll read it to you. It says, And the Lord said to Moses, Take sweet spices stacked and onica and galbanum, and pure frankincense with these sweet spices. There shall be equal amounts of each. You shall make of these an incense, a compound according to the art of the perfumer, salted, pure and holy. And you shall beat some of it very fine and put some of it before the testimony in the tabernacle of meeting where I will meet with you. It shall be most holy to you. Frankincense, throughout biblical history, is well known as the key component in the offerings unto the Lord. But it wasn't for everyone. There was a time that if you were to copy the ingredients in this incense that was to be offered to the Lord, you would be cut off from the people, literally. This was something that the priests would be using. Leviticus, chapter 2, verses 1 through 2. It says, When anyone offers a grain offering to the Lord, his offering shall be of fine flour, and he shall pour oil on it and put frankincense on it. He shall bring it to Aaron's sons, the priests, one of whom shall take from it his handful of fine flour and oil with the frankincense, and the priest shall burn it as a memorial on the altar, an offering made by fire, a sweet aroma to the Lord. The author of the book of Hebrews states in Hebrews 4, verses 14 through 15, Seeing then that we have a great high priest who passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin. Interesting. Interesting. We don't discard the Old Testament. We don't discard portions of the Bible because it's the whole counsel of God's Word. And what we're looking at here today is mind-blowing when you think about the symbolic significance of what was just given to the child, Jesus. Our high priest, as the Bible calls Jesus, understands what we're going through. What you're going through. What you're dealing with. He sympathizes with us in our weaknesses because he was tested in all the same things, yet was without sin. Uh, for me, I, I felt a way to, to kind of connect the, the, the thought that was being said here was like for those of you that like playing video games and you're considered a gamer and that might mean you're 16, it might mean you're 43, I don't know. Uh, I think my generation is the first generation to have adults that are serious gamers and uh, where you go to competitions and tournaments and whatever it might be. Uh, this is the first generation of adults that have tried to say that playing video games is cool. And uh, we, we're a part of that. But the way that I was thinking was that it was as if somebody beat the level and they were telling you now how to do it. For those of you that are athletes and you know you have the guy that shoots 90% from the foul line or has a batting average of 405 and he's telling you how to shoot the ball or swing the bat. This is a very, very, very small description of what it means to have a high priest like Jesus who intercedes on your behalf and understands what you're going through, what you're struggling with and is able to give you what you need to overcome it. This is our high priest. And so here's the child Jesus who was under two. Many say he was about one or so. But the point being is that presenting this child with a priestly gift is amazing. Because he is our high priest. He's the one that lives to make intercession for us as it says in Hebrews 7, verses 24 and 25. But... Jesus, because He continues forever, has an unchangeable priesthood. Therefore, He is also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through Him since He always lives to make intercession for them. Save to the uttermost. I forget who Pastor Chuck was quoting. I think it was Corey ten Boom, but my pastor who's gone home to be with the Lord Said that I think it was Corey Temboom, but don't quote me on this. But they said he's able to save to the guttermost. The lowest possible level, the Lord is able to lift you out, to save you, to set you free, to forgive you of your sins. Maybe today it's a struggle for you to even be in church. Maybe you're stressed, maybe you're worried, maybe you're bogged down. Maybe you have some big moves on the horizon. Maybe you've been dealing with problem after problem this past week and you kind of came in here stumbling over and barely made it to your chair. And you're sitting here going, Lord, I need a special touch from you today. The Lord understands you. He knows what's going on in your life. He knows the things maybe that you and your wife just talk about behind closed doors that your kids don't know about and family don't know about. He knows about those things. He knows the things that you're struggling with personally. Maybe it's sin and you've been falling into sin and you're, you're feeling terrible about this and you're like, Lord, I need your help. He understands that because he was tested in the same areas, yet without sin. He is our high priest, the one that ministers to us. See, the high priest was to minister to God's people. He was to minister to the people. He was to minister to the Lord. This is something that we have in Jesus. This is the child that the wise men are worshiping, presenting the King of kings and the Lord of lords with the gifts that are befitting a king. Gold, presenting the high priest who lives to make intercession for us with the incense known as frankincense. Jesus is our high priest. He intercedes for us continually, intercedes on our behalf. When we sin and Satan comes into that courtroom, if you will, and presents his case against us to the, to the Father. Look what Garrett did. He has sinned. Jesus is our advocate. Jesus tells His Father, Gerard is mine. I've already paid the price for that sin. That's the same for you. He lives to intercede on your behalf. Practically now, for frankincense, Frankincense is an essential oil. Now, I have some friends that are really into essential oils, and uh, my family's even used them in our own home from time to time. But I found this very interesting. I came across this article from the Bible Archaeology Society, and uh, it was a very interesting article. And it particularly hit home because in their in their article in, in their in their blog, they they mentioned. Uh, Cardiff University in Wales and you know that's Ruth's hometown and so I thought how interesting that I would be studying and reading and looking at these things and this is what they said uh, from their article just a little excerpt and I quote still others have suggested that the gifts of the magi were a bit more practical even medicinal in nature researchers at Cardiff University have demonstrated that frankincense has an active ingredient that can help relieve arthritis by inhibiting the inflammation that breaks down cartilage tissue and causes arthritis pain end of quote now am I saying that's the reason that they presented this gift of frankincense to Jesus because maybe someone in his family might struggle with arthritis Uh, no I, I don't know Uh, I I do find it interesting though that frankincense has been traditionally used in in North Africa in the Arabian Peninsula where the trees that produce this aromatic resin grow. Uh, But very interesting. I don't know the practical uses. Uh, Some of you may know more than most uh, of these type of things but uh, I thought that that was an interesting article on that. Point number three. Let's look at myrrh. So gold fit for a king. Frankincense, fit for a priest. Now listen to this. Myrrh, fit for the deceased. Now this particular gift, I think is indeed the most odd of the three gifts. The Egyptians used myrrh for embalming in their mummification process. Uh... Apart from from that, myrrh was always associated with death and burial. Now, you can imagine the look on Mary's face and Joseph's face when the third gift that was presented to them was myrrh. Now, I don't know if you've ever been to a party or had a party where someone gives a gift that you have no idea why they would give that gift. Uh, It just doesn't seem appropriate for the context of your party. And it's so far out there that you're kind of like, what? I don't understand. Like, why? Um, This is, in my estimation, one of those things. Unless you understood the symbolism. So why bring a young child mirth if it were not to symbolize something, really? This could be a prefiguring of Jesus' death on the cross and the burial. We know Jesus is the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. It's substantiated from cover to cover in the Bible. The same for the high priests. These are our priests and frankincense fits that well. But in Matthew chapter 1 verse 21, We need to understand that the reason why Jesus was born, the reason why we celebrate Christmas and the the greatest holiday of all the year, really, the birth of Jesus, for without that there would be no death for sins and no resurrection on the third day. In Matthew one twenty one, it says, And Mary will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. That was the reason why Jesus came. Jesus knew for what purpose He had come to this earth. He was very, very clear about that. It was His purpose to die on the cross for the sins of the world. Listen to what was said in John 12, verse 27. Jesus said, My soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? But for this purpose, I came to this hour. Speaking of His crucifixion. In Luke chapter 9, verse 22, it says, The Son of Man must suffer, Jesus said, must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised the third day. So, as interesting as a gift that myrrh would be, it had tremendous power in symbolizing the death of Jesus on the cross for the sins of the world. If you think about that. Mary pondered things in her heart. Things that were said. Things that were written. Things that she knew from the Scriptures. She heard what her son Jesus would say. He was very clear with His followers that His sole purpose was to preach the Gospel, to lay down His life for the sins of the world. This is huge. You might think, well, presenting this gift to a little child, these things were more than the tangible gift. When you think about how the the Magi, the three kings, they laid down and worshipped before they were led by God by this yonder star to the place where it ended and that was over Jesus' house practically we can go down the list again of essential oils etc and even the microbial blocking power of frankincense and myrrh combined together i was reading this stuff i'm like this is insane but when jesus was on the cross he was offered wine mingled with myrrh to drink but he refused it it was a painkiller in John chapter 19, verse 39, after Jesus was crucified, it says that Nicodemus came to the tomb bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 100 pounds of it. It was used for burial. It was used and associated for purposes that dealt with death and burial. Now, Were these spices, were these things that we know kept for the duration of Jesus' life? Was that gift of myrrh kept for Jesus' burial 33 years later? Did it serve as a reminder of why Jesus was even there to begin with? I'm not sure. But what we have read and from what we have studied of the three wise men these last two weeks, last week and today... I've been fascinated by taking a closer look at these three kings. They troubled King Herod with their arrival following that star. And in return, King Herod troubled all those that were in Bethlehem because there was trouble in little Herod. And we checked the data found in the Old Testament concerning the birth of the King of kings and Lord of lords, the Messiah. Micah 5.2, But you, Bethlehem Ephrata, Though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth are from old, from everlasting. We saw the Magi follow God's leading all the way to the end, and how following the true light of God will always lead you to Jesus, to a place of exceeding rejoicing. A place where you can, you, you'll find that peace and that comfort, that place that will lead you to intimacy with the Lord, to a place of worship. This is what we've been looking at the last couple of weeks. Following God's leading to the end, following that true light leads you to where you need to be. And that even. These other lights and was mentioned, you remember in Shakespearean days, as I mentioned, they heated up lime to incandescence so that it would give light to whoever was performing. One of uh, my friends brought up afterwards, he's like, I wonder if that's where they got that saying, limelight. It's absolutely true. And they want the limelight for themselves. We point people, we are not the light, we point people to the light of the world, who is Jesus Christ. Finally, as we conclude, the thing that we, I feel, need to be particularly encouraged by are the presenting of the gifts out of worship to Jesus. Everything that we have is a gift, and we must realize that. Everything we have. I was thinking about this practically, like what if I have a problem with my friend, and then I wish that I, I didn't have that friend, right? You're like, man, man, my friend, not a gift from God, from Satan. Or whatever it might be. No. You know how blessed you are to even have a friend to have an argument with? There are people that are alone and by themselves and have nobody. And you actually have somebody that you can talk to and you actually disagree on something and then hopefully you can be friends and work that out. But your friends, man, present it to the Lord. Your abilities... Present it to the Lord. Your marriage, present it to the Lord. Your home, present it to the Lord. Your life, present it to the Lord out of an act of worship to Him. We must first worship before we present. Because I can do the presenting with a heart that's wrong with God. A heart that is removed from God and it is not the way it's supposed to be. I can give money. I can give my time. I can give of my abilities. The Lord is interested in a heart that worships. And everything we give or do or invest in must come from there. I don't think it's accidental that they said they fell down and worshiped Him first and then presented their gifts. We get the cart ahead of the horse sometimes when we think that we can replace that personal time and that worship to the Lord with practical things, with tangible things. The Lord says in His Word that those who worship must worship in spirit and in truth. The Spirit isn't tangible. I can't hold it. The Spirit that's inside of me is something that's connected to the Heavenly Father, the Holy Spirit that... that is inside of us. This must be first, and then whatever comes is secondary. This is our last Sunday morning for Bible studies, our last Sunday morning service for 2016. You don't have to wait until January 1st to start doing the right thing. Some people will say, well, you know what, hey, January, we all know about New Year's resolutions and, 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 and they're, they're quite entertaining sometimes too, the things that we, we say we're going to do or whatever, or how long it lasts, two hours or whatever it might be. And then, then we try to, okay, I'll, I'll start. No, you don't have to wait until next Sunday and then wait till the next Sunday and then the next Sunday. No, you can start now. How about building up some steam going into the new year? How about do the things that you know you need to do right now and not put it off like procrastinators do? Procrastinators of the world, unite! Tomorrow! Or whatever it might be. You know, like we need to do the things we need to do now. Now. How about getting that steam going? How about starting to live your life in worship and using the things that God has given to you for His glory? God's given you things. He's presented you with so many abilities and talents and resources and time and life. May our church, myself included, I want it to be for me and for my house, my family, that we worship the Lord. That we acknowledge who He is in our life, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. The high priest that lives to make intercession for me. The One that laid down His life for the sins of the world, was crucified, was buried in that tomb, and rose again on the third day, thus bringing me hope of eternal life forever. The, for the same, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is the same power that raises us. And we have that hope. That's what we're celebrating at Christmas. And so today, If you have personal business to attend to, if you have been maybe shirking your responsibility, so to speak, in one way or the other, where the Lord has been telling you to do something or you know something is right to be done and you're not doing it, don't wait until the new year with a new resolution to do the things that God has already been telling you to do. Do them today. Do them today. And when January first hits, you're already in the running. You're already going. You're already flying. You're already ready. So, I'm hoping that today the Lord has spoken to you in at least a very small way. I'm hoping that there's something that you've been able from these last two weeks in particular to take with you, to own for yourself, to think about, to pray about, and to apply to your life, I hope that the Lord encourages you, that He blesses you and He strengthens you this week. I hope that He gives you a wonderful Christmas, and that whatever you're going through, that you would be able to say, "You know what the Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord." That's hard. It's hard to do those things. Nobody said that following Jesus was easy. Nobody said that if you followed Jesus, your life would be easy. It was actually quite the opposite. He said, in this world, you will have tribulation. But then he said, do not be discouraged. Be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. And so, on behalf of my family, Ruth and Hudson and Harry, who's not born yet, we like to wish you a Merry Christmas. And on behalf of Vision City Church, we like to wish you A merry, merry Christmas. And we hope that you can join us again on Christmas Eve as we celebrate for the last time in 2016 together as a church family the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, we thank You so much for this morning. We thank You, Lord, for Your faithfulness to us, Your forgiveness of our sin. Lord, we thank You for sending Your Son to be born that He might live to share with this world the great love of the Father that He might lay His life down for the sins of the world and be raised again on the third day. Lord, I thank You for the example of these three wise men that we see, Lord, in this passage of Scripture. I pray, Father, that everything that we do as Your followers, Lord, would be out of a heart of worship. Not begrudgingly, but Lord, out of worship to You. That we would never be, oh, I have to, but I, I get to. Thank You, Lord, for the great privilege of knowing You. Thank You, Lord, for the great privilege of being called Your son or Your daughter. And Lord, I want to thank You for Your faithfulness to us as a church, Lord, these almost three years. I want to thank You, Lord, for the Sunday morning services that You have blessed us with here at this school. We thank You, Lord, for the Tustin Unified School District. We thank You, Lord, for the Orchard Hills staff. Lord, principals, teachers, custodians. We thank You, Father, that You have blessed us, Lord, with them. And we pray that You would bless them this Christmas season. Lord, we ask that You would help us, Father, to be led by You. Lord, we want to be a church that's led by your Holy Spirit, that is guided by your word. And we pray that we would continue to be that as we finish up this year and go into 2017. And so, Lord, bless your families that are here today, Lord. They're your families. They're your children, your sons, your daughters. Lord, I pray for those that are in need, Lord, that we'd be able to help in supplying those needs. And, Lord, I pray, God, for your blessings now. Fill us with your joy. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all stand.